Grand rising, everyone. Welcome to live. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Mmm. So good. Yum, yum, yum. Okay. So, let's get started. Um, remember, we're talking about the um, doctrine of correspondence and um, what that means. And so, we've been getting into the one thing and how to mold and shape the one thing. Okay. Good morning. So um, we talked yesterday about, you know, what Carl Jung believed and, and how he um, used alchemy. Now, it's important to understand this because this has shaped the way that we do psychology. Um, it's the way that we see psychology happening. Now, I personally, it's not that I don't love the thought processes of these different individuals, but I literally just take from them what what lands with me. Not everything that they say to me is truth. Therefore, you get to create your own spiritual alchemy, your own elixir, and that is going to be different for everybody. This is why people can't find the Philosopher's Stone, right? Because they're, they've been looking and looking and looking um, and trying to understand what the Holy Grail is and where it's at. Well, you are the Holy Grail and you hold the Philosopher's Stone, but your elixir is different, right? The way that you utilize your body to, to tap into that sacred wisdom that you have within you is going to be different than me. It's not going to be the same process. Now, people give their processes and you can follow their process, but it may not work, right? Because maybe you're in a different, maybe you were raised differently. Everybody's mind and the way they interact with life is different. And because of that, good morning, Kumar, how are you? Um, and because of that, we literally are um, not the same. Everybody is not the same when it comes to how do we find our own philosophy? How do we tap into that? How do we find who we are and start to work with the divine energy? It's different for everyone, not the same. So, and people struggle with this, right? Now, with Carl Jung, he and Sigmund Freud have shaped the way psychology happened, especially when it comes to the active imagination. We even use their terminologies. And they continue to be talked about. Now, I have a little rant and rave about that. And I keep, I go on because everybody wants to be a Jungian analysis. I don't want to analyze Carl Jung. I want to analyze myself. And I'm, I try to get people to realize that. Now, we can use his terminology to kind of describe and explain. I think he has some pretty good terms that he came up with and, and that he, he created to help us to begin to understand the journey. But it was his own alchemy that he applied to life. It was his own process that he applied to life. That doesn't mean that we have to um, take that process. We can look at the process and then we can reshape the process so that it works for us. Okay. So on all levels of reality, physical, mental, and spiritual, everything is made up of a unique combination of the four elements and everything in the universe is striving for complete and balanced expression of these elements as imposed by the image making capacity, the thoughts or the words of the one mind. Perhaps the simplest way to understand this is to look within ourselves and observe the four elements there. That's what I just said. 
we get to look at the four elements within us. We get to look at the what's happening internally with us. Sometimes people are more fire than water. Sometimes people are more water than fire. So the elixir and the way that we stir that, that potion within us is going to be different for everybody. Now, again, Carl Jung came up with the process. Um, the allergies again. Came up with the process, but we don't necessarily have to be um, the person who continues that process, right? Or we can look at the process and we can shape it and mold it what makes sense for us. Okay, so the reality, uh, okay, we got that. Um, Socrates' dictum, know thyself, is really just another rendering of the doctrine of correspondence. And the idea that we could know the universe by knowing ourselves become a powerful tool of alchemists, of alchemists who in truth were the founders not only of chemistry, but the systematic uh, psychology. There it is right there. So everything that I've been talking about, it's what I said. Chemistry came from spiritual alchemy. We, we started with spiritual alchemy and then came chemistry. So spiritual alchemy is the way to walk life. Now, I talk about Kung Fu quite a bit. Kung Fu is one of the most, in my opinion, if we talked about a process of spiritual alchemy, um, you know, I would, I would, I should talk, talk about Kung Fu. They have a system that's ancient. That ancient system is very comprehensive and it includes everything. It's pretty badass, actually. I highly encourage, I can't, I, you know, I don't want to say people aren't alchemists if they don't do Kung Fu, but I don't believe that, that any, I mean, I believe any alchemist would come across Kung Fu as one of the most comprehensive. And I think any true alchemist would understand that if they started to dive into the process of it. It's not just about the words, it's about the actions. It takes it and it puts it into motion. Kung Fu is alchemy in motion, spiritual alchemy in motion. Pretty badass. And it's also spiritual alchemy in mental, physical, emotional, all the above. Teaching us how to use our energy. Excuse me, I'm going to get this to go my Teaching us to use our energy correctly. I just seem to get allergies <laughs> for some reason. There you go. Real life. <laughs> live TV with Natalie. They never show people doing that, do they, on live TV? Okay. So um, there, there you go. The doctrine of correspondence, the idea that we can know the universe by knowing ourselves, became a powerful tool of the alchemist who in truth were the founders not only of chemistry but also systemic psychology we are living in the alchemy of other people i can't i i really wish right now i had an audience of a million people so that they understood this specifically Baram, who has not um showed up to these things because this is where you want your answers about why the universe is the way or the, the world is the way it is. Well, that's why they used alchemy to construct this current system we live in. So, you know, the pharmaceuticals and all that, 
it derived from spiritual alchemy. They've, and in my opinion, they bastardize it. Casinos derive from spiritual alchemy. They bastardize the tarot system, which is an alchemic, spiritual alchemic process for internal enlightenment. They use all these processes and they bastardize them. Same thing with our government, all that kind of stuff. All a construct of spiritual alchemy. You want to find the answers within and you want to alchemize yourself to come to know greater, deeper wisdom. Fire is the father. Fire, its father is the son, okay? So fire. What do we mean when we say the father of the one thing is the son? The capitalized son in this sentence refers to the higher archetype of our own galactic son, a deep ingrained pattern that shows itself in the universe and within our spirits. The solar's um, archetypes also represents itself in the ruling principle of the individual psyche, um, in the patriarch of the family, and socially in the kings and the rulers of countries. Just as in life of a king determines the quality of life of his subjects, the solar archetype is manifested in man as king of his personality or the ruling ego complex that controls his mental environment. Here's where we get the sun and here's where we get fires connected to ego and pride. Whether seen as a star or a king or a part of one's personality, the sun is the source of the elements from which the planets, kingdoms, and our individual personalities are te um, or temperaments. Some astrologers refer to the ultimate solar presence as the white sun which can be interpreted astronomically as the exploding supernova, supernova or metaphysical as brilliant white light encountered on the other side in mystical near-death experiences. In their chemical spiritual formula, the alchemists thought of this higher sun as the perfected first matter and represented it uh, graphically as a circle with the dot in the center. Um, that same symbol also stood for the perfect metal, gold, and derived from the ancient Egyptian glyph or the midday sun. So the perfected sun, right? The white sun where we have the circle and the dot. And this is what they used in order to conjure up whatever it is they were conjuring up. The archetype of the sun embodies the fire element which carries with it many associations and powers of the above. Fire is always seen as an active force, characteristics of the masculine spirit, as opposed to the element of water, which is, corresponds to the feminine soul. The Egyptians, Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, Hindus, Mayans, Celts, and native peoples throughout the world worship the sun as their most important god, the great patriarch. In Judeo-Christian tradition, the sun is a powerful underlying archetype representing God in heaven. In many religions, including Christianity, the conjugation of fire and water, of the spirit on the water, and in the primal act of creation. Blazing fire is God's will, the archetype of union of willpower and energy. There you go. That's another piece of it is the willpower and the energy. So also comes with it the will. The ability to be courageous. Good morning, Lerac. How are you? So we look at the sun 
right? Now, what does that mean internally? We have a stellar body. We are connected to all of it. We are an extension of God. We are an extension of this energy. Now we have something like the active imagination and we're talking about the fire first because fire was what they think is the first matter. Now the one thing being the chaos. So we we start to see that there's this duality sort of shaping or taking place. And in this world, we experience the duality. We're constantly going trying to find the ebb and flow of life we wouldn't need to find the ebb and flow if it wasn't a, a duality system the system that we live within now you could and there are cultures that lived outside of that duality that everything was interconnected we no longer um because of our um culture and the way that things have become we now see things as a duality. We started to objectify stuff and see it as separate. And now we're trying to return back to that oneness where there was no separation, but we weren't raised that way. We weren't raised to see the world that way. We were raised, that's why science is such a big thing. People that are very, very into science see the world as an objective world. They think that the answers exist externally. And what they're finding out is that it's a co-participation co as within, so without. These ancient teachings weren't there just for their own good. They were there to teach us that we are all interconnected. But there's this, this and that, black and white, up and down, right and wrong. Now we learn to bridge the duality to find wholeness there is no separation but we experience separation okay okay let's keep going so let's see just as life um okay determined so now we we um talk about the the ego complex um which we all have but we talk about the personality, right? And the source of elements, planets, and kingdoms. So the in, the temperament of an individual. If somebody is leading us, what is their temperament? See, you can know the intentions of an individual based on their temperament, based on, on what's happening internally. How are they using the elements within? Now, here's the deal. No president, and I'm talking about in the United States, can be president without going through these initiations. But the temperament of the individual who becomes the leader of a government or whatever it is, the kings and all that, you can't really know the temperament. You can give them the information and they need to go through initiations, but they're lean towards a specific way of being right, because of their makeup, and who knows? Now we're under the guidance of who and what, and what is their intention? And internally, how are they mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally? We, we, we see that some can be more emotional, some can be more mental, some can be 
And, and are they working through the shadow? Are they working through the light? It's very obvious when you start to read the, when you start to understand spiritual alchemy, what is happening in the world and the leaders and what they're doing. They all know this information, all of them. They have to. That's part of masonry lodges and, and all of Knights of Templar and all these hidden orders that were hidden. They were hidden from people for a purpose. One, because the people that created them didn't want to get killed. Two, they wanted to use it for control. So they kept it away from the masses. And they said, well, you can't level up unless you go through our, you know, process and that you pledge to us that you're going to continue on. Now, in the Masonic lodges, they, it's not about Christianity. Every religion is open. They just want to make sure your alchemy is the way it needs to be. And who knows what kind of weird rituals and stuff they do. So people talk about, well, they're doing all these rituals. Well, yeah, they are. They're doing spiritual alchemy and they're using it in a way that's probably not good. Right now, this information is in the hands of those who want control. They're going to use it for manipulation. It's that simple. Very easy to see what is happening in the world when you understand this information. It's very clear. It's almost comical. You're almost like, really? You're going to act like you're doing something so creative and you're not. You're just manipulating things. And the character of the people who are leading us, who are they? What is, what's internally happening to them? Who are they as a person, as an individual? What is their temperament? What is their mindset? What is their philosophy? What are their morals? You see, if I had a chance to talk to them, that would be what I asked. On what grounds do you stand? What do you know about spiritual alchemy? What initiations have you gone through? They'd probably be like, none of your business. <laughs> Are you a sorcerer or are you a magician? I can guarantee most of them are sorcerers. Probably all of them <laughs> at this point. You can tell the people leading these countries are totally ridden with control and power and I want more. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Anyway, some astrologers, okay, so we said the midday sun. Oh, okay, so we, we have this interpretation of the circle and the dot. To me, this symbolizes you. Now, how do we relate that symbology to you? Because sacred geometry is really critical and important to understand. It gives us a clue. It allows us to visually see it, um, and it allows us to understand the process that is happening. So if we see a circle with the dot, which is gold, really what I believe this is, is the circle being all that can exist, okay? Nothing can exist outside that circle. It's just all within there. And that means everything. The dot is our consciousness. Our consciousness being a tiny speck in the entire whatever's there, right? Entire unconscious um, material, if you will. So that tiny dot is our tiny stellar body. It's our our ability to connect to the whole. Now they talk about the Akashic record. You can even depict it in this particular symbol. 
So this symbol can unpack so much meaning and we can look at the symbol and say, oh, wow, this symbol has huge meaning to us. Now, if I'm that tiny little consciousness within this big world or this big, I don't even want to say world, this big um, unconscious space, then I have so much that I can tap into. The tiny dot at the center would be us, and we can expand our consciousness based on how we co-create with the one thing and the one mind, and we co-create that way. Now, if our dot starts to minimize, right, our consciousness will start to minimize if we don't take personal responsibility for our life. We start to open up our consciousness when we start to take personal responsibility now i don't mean personal responsibility for you know somebody else's actions i'm talking about the way that you interact with yourself internally the subconscious mind are you allowing that to surface are you allowing yourself to look at it and be with it or are you stuffing it away in the back and saying oh yeah those stories don't exist we're just going to pretend they don't exist and you just try to throw them in the back of the mind. But they do exist and they are there. And how do we utilize that to help us move forward and expand our consciousness? Expand the dot. This is what alchemists did. And this is how they tapped into sacred wisdom. They realized that if they continue to stay stuck in their thoughts and emotions without any forward movement or taking personal responsibility for them or being self-aware of them, that they would never grow past that. And we see this, and so many books have been written about this, right? And this is what they're talking about. From a tiny symbol, all of this wisdom comes forth. Um, uh, the man who thinketh, or a man who thinketh, or the man who thinketh can't remember the name. I think that's the name of the book. I, and then um, where they talk about our thoughts. I mean, it's a really good book, but it's how our thoughts shape the world. This is nothing new. You guys understand this. Everybody's heard it. There's memes about it, right? As you think, so, so you are. The thoughts and the emotions that go through our head. And then we're thinking, yeah, okay, we get it. Now what? Now I'm thinking positive, but nothing positive is happening. Well, it's because you're missing a piece. And the piece is, is that you have to understand your subconscious mind. The shit that you hid away, that you acted like didn't exist. And those are uncomfortable things. And then we go through what's called the dark night of the soul. And what we understand about the unconscious is that it is the darkness. And that we have to travel there. We have to go through the dark to get to the light. It's almost like we go through the dark to come out the other end. It's almost like we're going through a black hole so that we can reshape consciousness, right? If we go through a black hole and end up on a whole nother galaxy, it's a whole new experience. We're expanding. And now we have access to different galaxies or different dimensions or whatever you want to call it. But this depiction allows us to understand that we can travel between dimensions and you can in your mind but if you keep it hidden in the subconscious mind and you don't deal with it it starts to run your life like clockwork right that's why time that's where we're trapped in time because like clockwork those patterns will repeat themselves without you having to do anything it just is naturally there because the energy is within you 
and you're not trying to transmute it, change it, or reshape it. We have to be able to reshape that energy and relook at it from a different perspective, befriend it, love it, work with it, own it, and that way we can start to move forward and expand our consciousness within the unconscious. We start to be able to tap into the unconscious. That's what they did as alchemists. The information that they were gathering from the unconscious mind is available to everybody. Nobody's teaching people how to do it. I don't know that they're truly teaching people. I think they give people part of the story and they keep half of the story away. Anything that's, here's me, anything that's in popular media, I don't pay attention to it. You know why? It wouldn't be popular. They, if they're giving you all the information, they're not going to let that happen. They'll cut people off who are giving the real information that's going to help people to expand their consciousness, to remind them of who they are, to reclaim their power. They have misdirects in there. That's what I call it, misdirects. And when I listen to them, I'm like, no, they're, they're misdirecting people. When you understand spiritual alchemy and you understand your own alchemy, yours, not mine, not Carl Jung's, not Sigmund Freud, not all these people who have shaped the world, but yours. When you understand you, all of the great sages and prophets and whatever you want to say, say the same thing. Know thyself. For then you will know the kingdom of heaven. Then you will know the kingdom. You have to know yourself in order to know the kingdom. Not somebody else's process. Even Jesus Christ said. The answers are within. But it's a crazy chaotic space there. So how do we deal with it? Okay. So there you have it. I have to go because I have an appointment. So I love you guys. Have the best Wednesday ever. And of course, I will be seeing you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.